2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul gives us uh, the secret to his ministry in the sense that uh, it was God's power in him and not his power. That God did it. it was, he was to be weak, but was God was going to be strong and it was all going to be by grace. Today, Paul is going to give us his philosophy of ministry, his philosophy of serving. And it's been really helpful to me over the years, and I think it'll be really helpful to you as well. Uh, his philosophy of serving, how, how do you go about this thing of ministry? How do you actually uh, go about uh, serving people and being a minister? Because we're all ministers. Now, it's not just the people that stand on this side of the pulpit. Or it's, we're all ministers. We're, we're all supposed to give. We're all supposed to serve. And <clears throat> what Paul's going to give us is how he did it, how he does it. And when we look at it, we're going to be kind of astounded and saying, that's, that's not easy. In fact, you might say that's impossible. But, you know, it's possible because of the grace that he talked about last week, because of the power he talked about last week. Let's read our text, 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. Behold, a third time I am come, ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. We'll catch that in a moment. I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so. I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of any of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? <clears throat> so he's, Paul has been accused here that he's in it for the money. It was a ridiculous accusation, but the people that were accusing Paul uh, in the Corinthian church were, were, were not really out to establish truth. Uh, they just didn't like him. They had a problem with him. They had a difference in theology with him, and they were con constantly finding fault with him. And Paul is saying, hang on a minute. Did I make a gain of you? Did, 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 did I actually gain anything from you? But in the midst of it all, he gives us how it is that he ministered. How it is that he gave himself. Probably the most successful minister of all time, the Apostle Paul. Uh, probably very hard for us to find somebody who gave like the Apostle Paul did. And he tells us how he did it. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word and help us, Lord. Lord, we need your help. Uh, Lord, <clears throat> we're selfish creatures by our very nature, Lord. And we miss so much of what you have for us and what you want for us. Now, Lord, would you reach down and touch us, Lord? Would you touch me? And have me to say that which uh, should be said. And Lord, that anything that should not be said may be left to one side. And blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in the hearts of those that are listening. Lord, stir us that we might serve you. That we might find blessing and hope and joy uh, in serving you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so we're looking at uh, being servants of the Lord. And before we do, uh, in Ephesians 4 verse 11 through 12, it tells us that we're all ministers. 
We're all people who minister. Uh, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for, okay, for the purpose, uh, for the perfecting. That word perfecting there in the New Testament is the word maturing, to to, to bring uh, people to maturity. And he's going to tell you here what a mature saint is, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The the, the, The mature believer is somebody who's ministering, somebody who's giving of themselves, somebody who's sacrificing of, their, of themselves. Because a minister is basically somebody who serves. Right? <clears throat> uh, uh, somebody who gives of themselves, somebody who serves. And that's all the way through the New Testament, we're seeing believers as being servants. You see, <clears throat> there's a difference between uh, uh, us and most churches. Most churches you will go into today and the pastor is going to be wearing a collar to identify him as being different from the people because he's the clergy and you're the church. And when you come to a situation like that, what that's saying is that saying is, well, he's the minister and we're the people being ministered unto. It's kind of like going to a football game. You go to a football game and, you know, 22 men play on the field and thousands watch their spectators. But that's not the way it was ever meant to be in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all to be ministers. We're all to be effectively uh, ministering to people and serving people and helping people. Every one of us is supposed to be involved. Now that's thrilling if you let it in. That's thrilling. You know what? God wants you to serve. In fact, God has equipped you and I to serve. God has equipped everybody in this church to do something uh, as far as ministry is concerned. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to go into all of them for time's sake, right? But verse 7 says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Do you know that God has given you a gift? But the gift God has given you is not for you to profit yourself. The gift God has given you is for you to profit with all. It's for the benefit of everybody else. That's the purpose of it. That's the focus of it. That's the deal uh, with this thing. God has given you a gift so that you can bless others, so that you can help others. And what you're going to find is that when you're actually serving, when you're ministering, you're going to feel like, you know what? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is who I am. Sometimes you'll hear people saying this, this is what I was made for. That's a great place to be, to be in the place that you were made for. Now, you weren't made to work a job. You, were, you weren't made to live a life like that. God had a bigger plan for you. God wants you to minister for him. He wants you to serve him. And in serving him, you're going to be serving others. That's a high calling on all our lives. Um, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5.17, we, we're, we're very familiar with it. Many could quote this verse for me, but I wonder, could you quote the verse that comes after it? Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, verse 18, who hath reconciled reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know the identifying mark of the new creature is ministry? A ministry. God's given them a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. So you and I were made new creatures the moment we got saved. And one of the things that fundamentally changed for me is that I was made a minister. And so were you. You were made a minister. Now listen, you may not be uh, called to preach. But you know what? 
You have been given a ministry. Here what Paul is talking about is the ministry of reconciliation. The other day you got saved, you were reconciled to him, and you were effectively told, now go and tell other people, reconcile other people as well. Go and tell other people uh, how to be reconciled. That's a new creature. And here's the thing. You're going to see the new creature manifest in your life uh, in proportion to the fact that you're actually doing what the new creature is supposed to do. Isn't that reasonable? But, but so often we feel, well, you know what, this is not working for me and it's not happening for me. But the problem is that we're not actually operating in what God has planned for us to do. We're not ministering. We're not focused on what God would have us to do. I, um, Ephesians 4.28 says this, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, Christians are givers. I'm not talking about money here. You know, money's a small part of what God wants us to give. I'm talking about our lives are giving. Because here's what's happened. What's happened is, you know, I had this dreadful need in my life. I had this emptiness. I had this hole in my life. I wasn't sure what it was, but you know, one day I came to Jesus Christ and I cried out to him and he saved me. And he filled it for me. The only way it's possible for it to be filled. And then he said, now Dave, go and you be a channel of my blessing to other people too. I'm a giver. I'm supposed to be a giver. So are you. You see, I'm, uh, when I got saved and the greatest need uh, of my soul and the greatest need of my life was met in Jesus Christ, I now have enough and some left over so that I can give. And we're supposed to be givers. It's, a, it's a, one of the marks of a believer. They're actually a giver. They're somebody who gives. They're not somebody who takes. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. All Christians are supposed to be ministers. All Christians are supposed to be giving. What's your ministry? You say, that's not fair, Pastor. I don't know. Well, <clears throat> that's the very nature of it. We're all supposed to be ministering. Now, there's a million different ministries out there that we can be involved in. Many of you are involved in ministry. Many of you are doing things uh, where you're sacrificing yourself for others. But maybe you say, you know what? I don't think I am. I, I, I need to minister. I need to find some place where I minister. And honestly, if you don't, you'll stifle what God wants to do in your life. Because God wants to make you big. He wants to use you greatly. And he wants you to be a minister. Right? Now, there's a problem with ministry. In fact, there's several problems with ministry <clears throat> in this. That we're selfish creatures. All of us. Bar none. We're all selfish creatures. Right? <clears throat> and the thing is, left to my selfish creature self, I want people to minister to me. I want, I want people to take care of me. I want people to give to me. I, I don't want to be doing the giving. I've got problems, I've got issues, and we all have them. We want somebody else to be taking care of us. And we can get very easily focused on what we want other people to do for us. You can do it in your marriage, can't you? You can focus in your marriage on the fact that you want somebody else to take care of you, uh, to help you, to do for you, and they're not doing enough for you, and so you get bent out of shape. And marriages often break up on the head of that. You know, because listen, nobody's taking care of me in this marriage. You know, marriage is not supposed to be that. Marriage is supposed to be a place where you minister, but we get tired ministering, don't we? When we get worn out ministering. 
And, and you know, maybe, maybe at one point you were thriving and giving yourself, and, but for some reason you got worn out and you stopped and you quit and you're not doing it anymore and you really don't want to do it anymore. You know, uh, I, I want to help us this morning to see that we can. We need to see the problems. We need to see where it's so easy for us to fail in ministry. And then we need to come to the place where we draw on the power that's available for us to minister. Right? So the first thing we need to see is this. Paul's philosophy of ministry was this. <clears throat> he didn't minister for what he could get from people. Don't minister for what you can get from people. Don't do that one. If you do, you're going to run aground. Eventually, you're going to run aground. Because, you know what? They don't have it. They don't have it. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 12, verse 14 says, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come unto you, and I will not be burdensome unto you. Paul said, I'm not going to be a burden unto you. I'm not coming to be a burden unto you. I'm not coming to uh, expecting something of you. For I seek not yours, but you. I'm not coming to get something from you. I want you. I want your hearts given to the Lord. I, I want you in the place where you're giving yourself. To God. I'm not looking for you, yours. I'm looking for you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. So when it comes to ministry, if we go into ministry expecting people to take care of us and to benefit us and to bless us in ministry, we're always going to be disappointed. And, you know, eventually we won't continue doing it because, you know what, we'll get so disappointed we'll just give up eventually. I think a lot of people give up for that reason because uh, somewhere they were expecting something for them in ministry that never came and so they came to the place where they said, well, that's it, I'm out of this. This is the most game, I'm not doing this anymore. And, and they gave up ministering. In Paul's case, he's dealing with the accusation here that he was in it for the money. Ridiculous claim. And he's, he's countering that. He's been, he's been dealing with that issue and all the other issues as we went through the uh, epistle. But, you know, <clears throat> he, he's saying, no, I, didn't, I, I don't want your money. I'm not coming for your money. I want you. I'm in this for you, not for your money. Not for anything you can give me. <clears throat> so some people expect people to be thankful and to like them in ministry. They're going to minister to people. They're going to be thankful to me. They're going to like me. They're going to float my boat, and I'm going to feel great, and I'm going to feel wonderful, and, and then I'm going to do, do, do more of it, and so on. Now, that's not going to happen. Right? <clears throat> Jesus was the most selfless person that ever walked this earth. He gave and gave and gave till all the blood was gone out of him. He gave it all. But you know what? <clears throat> People didn't come and thank him for it. In fact, there's one, one, one account where he healed 10 lepers. Right? <clears throat> so 10 lepers. Now think about it for a second. If you were a leper, your life was finished. You were an outcast. You were out there waiting to die. No life, no family, no love, no good things going on in your life. You were just out there. He was pretty miserable. So 10 guys come to Jesus one morning and they, and they say, will you heal us? And he says, yeah, that's fine. All 10, bing. They're healed. Their bodies are restored whole. They are and he says, go on, go, go show yourselves to the priest. And so they all go off and they show, show themselves to the priest. And, and, and a little while later, one guy comes back. And Jesus says to him, where are the nine others? Weren't there ten healed? 
Only one came back to thank him. Now, do you know what that statistically that means? That means 90% of people are ungrateful. <laughs> that's, that's a dreadful thing. But listen, you know what? You'll find it in your own life too. Uh, you have to actually practice to be thankful and to be grateful. If you're not thankful uh, and you don't practice being thankful uh, with the Lord, you'll find that you can go weeks without thanking him for everything. And you can get quite demanding from the Lord. Right? So you've got you to be thankful. But here's the thing. When you minister to people, if you have the expectation that they're going to come back and they're going to be thankful to you, you're going to be ministering for something that you can't be sure of, and you may end up coming to the place rapidly where, you know what? This is a mook's game. I'm not doing it. You, you can't minister because people will be thankful to you. You just can't do it. Secondly, sometimes we demand results if we are going to minister. Okay, I will minister if I see the results. I will spend my time and my energy and my life if I see the results. Now, there's a wisdom in that. You've got to be careful that you're not just spinning your wheels and going through the motions and not actually uh, doing the needful. But you can't minister based on results. You've got to minister freely with an open hand. You know, one of the amazing things about the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus ministered to Judas now, Jesus was God. Do you know that he knew Judas was a lying scoundrel that was cheating and taking money out of the bag and ultimately was going to be betray, betray him? I, I, I'd have a hard time. I'd have a hard time ministering to somebody like that, wouldn't you? I'd have a hard time looking after that guy and taking care of him and, <clears throat> and giving him every chance and every opportunity. And even, even at the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus is warning him and saying, he that dips his hand with me in the sup, he's the one that's going to do it, but it would be better, Judas... Because I think he was looking in his eyes at the time. Be better if you had never been born. Don't do it. And he still did it anyway. But Jesus, Jesus ministered to him and took care of him, uh, even though he wasn't deserving of it. Do you know we choose who's deserving to minister to? We're going to have a hard time. That's not for us to choose. That's the wrong focus. That's the wrong way to look at this thing. Sometimes we want to minister because we, we want to meet the lack in our own lives. Your life is not going very well, so it helps to work with somebody who's worse off than you. So you minister uh, to make yourself feel better, effectively. You know, that won't last either. That's not going to float your boat and keep you going for very long. <clears throat> Don't minister for a title or for a position. Sometimes we like the idea of a title. And we want this title and we want to be known for, you know what, that will not sustain you when it comes to giving yourself. Because ministering is sacrificially giving of yourself. Ministering's going to cost you. Paul's saying to these people, I didn't come to get what you have. I didn't come looking for anything from you. I came to give to you so that you can walk with God and you can enjoy him. And ministry has to have that uh, at the heart of it. Don't, don't minister for the buzz. <clears throat> Val had a friend. <clears throat> I always remember, but um, <clears throat> Carol was her name. And when she found out that Val was working with handicapped children, uh, she said this. It's actually very wise. She said, <clears throat> she, was, she was trying to work out why she was doing it. And she said this to her. She said, well, you're either in it for the bread or you're in it for the buzz, right? This is the 70s, right? You're either in it for the bread or you're in it for the buzz. Do you know that most people are in ministry either for the bread or for the buzz? Now you say, no, no, well, look, you won't make a lot of money in ministry, that's for sure. 
Right? I've never seen anybody make a lot of money uh, unless they, they unless they they weren't doing uh, unless they were doing something wrong very often making a lot of money in ministry. You won't make a lot of money in ministry, but you know people often go into ministry for the bus because it makes me feel good. Because I feel special, I feel wonderful, I'm giving of myself, and I'm kind of taking care of these people's needs and so on. And um, <clears throat> that's very often what people do. But you know, that won't sustain you. Because the buzz will run out. The buzz will run out. It's not, it's not going to happen, you see. If you're going to minister to people, you have to do it without a hook. You have to give as it was given unto you, freely. What did Jesus ask of you when he saved you? It's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? When you first heard the gospel, didn't you think, hang on a minute, there has to be, there has to be a hook here. The, the, <clears throat> my mother-in-law often says, there's no free lunch. <clears throat> right? You know what, there's no free lunch, but there's a free eternity. And it's totally free. Um, <clears throat> you know, when Jesus saved me, he didn't ask anything of me. There was no hook. There was no, Dave, I'll do it if you do this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take you to heaven, Dave, if you... No, you know, when Jesus saved me, he did it freely. And he says, now listen, you give freely. You give freely. Don't, don't look for anything in return. Don't, 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 don't be looking for something back. <clears throat> I read this this week. Serving to give or to get. Selfish service is impressed with the big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Don't, don't want to do the big thing. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> I'll do it if there's, if there's a name in it for me, if I look good, you know. Uh, if, if it's a big deal, but that's too small for me. By the way, if you were God and you were thinking of choosing somebody uh, for the big deal, when you look at the little deals in their life first, you keep that in mind, by the way. It's not about the big deal. It's about you being a servant. See, when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday, I hope to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't hope to hear, well done, thou amazing preacher uh, who preached all those sermons and affected all those people. That's, that won't be happening. You know, <clears throat> I don't hope to uh, God to congratulate me for all the stuff I've done. The only thing he's going to recognize in me is you're a servant. You did what I wanted you to do, Dave. Be that small or be that big, doesn't matter. You did what I wanted you to do. You know, we're all on equal footing there. There's no such thing as, you know, bigger or better or greater or smaller. No, servants are just people that do what the master wants them to do. And so when I, when I stand before him, it's not going to be about the big deal. It's going to be about me serving him, doing what he wanted me to do. Selfish service requires external rewards. True service rests contented in hiddenness. If I'm really going to serve God, it's not about the rewards. It's not about what I'm getting. It's about me actually serving him. And it doesn't matter the reward I get. Selfish service requires, self, selfish service is highly concerned about results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. Do you ever think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? Philip is in Samaria when, <clears throat> when he's sent to the Ethiopian eunuch. And in Samaria, there's actually a revival going on. Now, in revival times, here's what Philip's an evangelist, right? He's living in his element. He's thriving. He's doing fantastic. Would you like to get saved? Yeah. And he's leading people to the Lord all over the place, and he's preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved. It's revival. And the Spirit of God says, now, I want you to go out into the desert. The, the desert? There's nobody out in the desert. Are you sure you got that right? 
Are you sure the GPS didn't go wrong somehow and you kind of, you missed where I'm supposed to go now you're supposed to go in the desert? And so what does Philip say? Yes, Lord. And he leaves the revival and he goes into the desert. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has an Ethiopian eunuch who's just about to get saved. And he leads him to the Lord. And then the Spirit takes him off again. But you know what? <clears throat> the results were in Samaria. But the obedient servant was in the desert. You need to remember that it's not about the results. It's not about uh, how, what I achieve and how much I achieve. It's just simply about me saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do now, now you say, hang on a minute. That, that's hard. No, no, no. You know, that's actually very freeing. Because I'm not responsible for the results. I'm responsible for serving. He's responsible for the, church, for, the, for the results. When it comes to being a pastor, I'm not supposed to build a church. That's his job. I'm supposed to be a servant. He does the work of building the church. When it comes to your ministry, whatever ministry God puts you in, and all of you, he wants all of you in ministry. You know, When it comes to you being in ministry, you don't have to be a success in your ministry. You just have to obey to do what you're told. It's actually very freeing. Because when I serve him, I serve in his power. He calls the shots. All I've got to do is what I'm told. As dumb as I am. You know what? I can actually work out what he's telling me to do, and I can do that if I really want to. And so can you. Here we can serve him, and we can be successful, whether the world sees it or not, it's irrelevant. All I've got to do is got to serve him. <clears throat> uh, selfish service picks and chooses whom to serve. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. It doesn't matter. Uh, <clears throat> selfish service is affected by moods and whims. True service ministers simply and purely. You know, it's actually very simple and straightforward if we'll see it. We just got to get ourselves out of the picture. I don't need to get from the situation. I need to give. But Paul goes on. Uh, look what he says in the next verse. <clears throat> In uh, verse 15, he says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. If you're going to minister, you need to be prepared to give of yourself sacrificially. Now, in order to do that, you need to grow up. <clears throat> we need to go from the place, you know, where the little baby gets born in the house, the baby is born in the house, that baby so desperately needs care and attention and the whole of the family centers around that baby and we focus on that baby and we feed that baby every four hours and we wash that baby and we change that baby and we make sure that baby gets to bed and so on. But you know, the baby has to grow up at some stage. And sooner or later, the baby grows up and now we expect much more from the baby, don't we? We expect the baby to take care of themselves. We expect the baby to more than take care of themselves. We expect the baby to be able to add, add to the household because they're grown up now. They're an adult. And if they're still around, they're going to be adding. They're going to be giving. They're going to be taking part of the household on board because, you know, that's the way it is. <clears throat> but Paul said this in ministry. He said he would gladly spend and be spent in ministry. Though the more I love you, the less I be loved. He was going to spend himself regardless of whether they loved him or not. And the Corinthian church, listen, <clears throat> they had no love for Paul. 
They, they had no love for anybody. I was reading actually yesterday. Uh, uh, later, uh, there's a letter written, <clears throat> I think the guy was Clementine that wrote the letter to, 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 to the Corinthian church, and he's reprimanding them because Paul's dead by this time. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, what's happened is they've ousted their leadership, and he's writing and he's saying, listen, you didn't do a good thing here. Nothing spiritual about this. He, 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 is, he is giving them a hard time. You know, this, this church had problems. Paul knew they had problems. But Paul said, listen, I don't care. I don't care whether you're going to love me or not. I don't care whether anything's coming back. <clears throat> I am going to spend and be spent. And to spend <clears throat> means to spend money, time, energy, strength. And then <clears throat> be spent means to spend utterly to spend out. Do you know that ministry is going to cost you personally? You know, <clears throat> in fact, if it's not costing you, it's probably not ministry. If you can do it without it being a bother, without it being a burden, <clears throat> you can do it with one, one hand tied behind your back. It, it, it's probably not ministry. It's going to cost you. See, in Matthew 25, 20, verse 25, look, let me read it for you. You don't need to turn there. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. You can write it down and look at it later on, right? <clears throat> um, But Jesus called them. This is James and John. They've sent, Mammy has come to ask Jesus, can they be number one in the kingdom? Or can they sit at his right hand or his left hand? And, and so Jesus steps into the situation here. But Jesus called them unto him and he said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them uh, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. There's our word again. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What did it cost Jesus to minister to you and I? Everything. Everything. If we had stood at the foot of the cross and looked up at what it cost him, he gave his life. He was so very dead. It cost him everything to give to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I lived 26 years of my life without any gratitude for what he had done. No gratitude whatever. Really, if God stepped into my life at all, it was for my benefit and for what I wanted him to do. And then I got saved and I began to realize what all this had cost. But you know, <clears throat> he gave himself completely. Ministry's going to cost you personally. It has to. By its very nature. It's going to cost you personally. Um, if you're not stepping outside your comfort zone, if you're not carrying a burden, if you're not going further than you think reasonable, it's probably not ministry. Let me ask you again, what's your ministry? Where are you ministering? Where are you giving yourself? Or are you protecting yourself and taking care of yourself and making sure you don't get overextended. And, no, you know what? It costs Jesus everything to minister to us. Paul said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Paul said, I'm up for it. I'm going to go all the way. Do, do, do you know what made Paul <clears throat> one of the greatest ministers, servants of God that had ever been, if not the greatest? It's this. He knew what he was about. He'd come to the place where he said, I'm going to spend and be spent for you regardless of, of whether you love me or not for it. And I mean, remember, he's not saying this, you know, in some comfortable library.
<clears throat> you know, everything is just easy and breezy and nice and happy. This is the Corinthian church. They're giving him murder. They are going after him. They are causing all kinds of problems in his life. He's written two letters. There's the third one out there as well uh, <clears throat> that, that's mentioned to try and settle this place down. And, you know, he's given more time, more effort, more energy to these people and nothing's coming back. And he says, I don't care. I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. You know, when it comes to ministry, it's going to cost us. By its nature, uh, it's going to cost us. Now you say, okay, well, pastor, that's great. Now listen, I'm going home. I give up because this thing is impossible. I just don't have it in me. I don't have that kind of stuff in me. I'm not able to do it. Uh, so thank you very much for nothing, but I'm out of here. Now, right, <clears throat> don't do that quite yet, okay? Um, <clears throat> fourth point is this. How are you going to do it? They're going to do it by grace. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you know that what happened at the beginning of this uh, chapter is being played out in reality in Paul's life now? He sh he's, he's able to do this because he's, he's, he's hooked into heaven. And he's got a flow of power coming from heaven into his life that leaves him with enough to give and more left over. You know, Paul's not going around talking about how shortchanged he is, how mean these people are to him, how they don't care about him. He's, he's not going around moaning. You know, if he did, he would have been out of the ministry long ago. Paul is plugged into heaven. Paul is abiding in Christ. Paul is drawing on grace, God's supernatural enabling to do the work he's going to do and to do the work he has been doing. And he's going to do it happily till the end of his life in spite of all he has to endure. Now, you know, <clears throat> you're never going to minister very effectively unless you tap into the power that's available for ministry. And the power that's available for ministry is not in you. And the power that's available for ministry is not in other people. And the power, the reward you'll get for ministering is never going to be enough to make it worth your while. But when you tap into the power then you can minister, and you can minister very effectively, and you can minister long-term. Paul did. Listen, there is power available to you. You see, you are weak, and you will always be weak. You're never going to get strong. But he is strong, and he will always be strong. And when you tap into his strength by yielding yourself to him, Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It doesn't say I can do all things by myself, by the way. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You at the end of your rope as far as ministry is concerned? You at the end of your rope, you're feeling like I can't do this anymore? Listen, you've got to come to the place where you understand. It's not in your power. You're not going to find the power in you to do it. If you don't tap into the power of God for ministry, it's impossible. It's never going to happen. The other thing you need to do in your life is you need to focus on heaven. You won't and you can't minister for long for temporal rewards. It just gets old. The draw on your life gets to be too much. But Paul was very focused upon heaven. Paul <clears throat> was expecting rewards. But he wasn't expecting it from the Corinthians, which is great because he wasn't getting it. And he wasn't expecting it from the other churches. Now, listen, he was pleasantly surprised from time to time. 
when somebody recognized his work and sent him a gift, and he would rejoice in that and take it as being from the hand of the Lord. But, you know, he was surprised by those things. He wasn't expecting rewards there. You know, Paul's <clears throat> going to live his Christian life with a focus on heaven. He says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in him. He was kind of he was kind of expecting good things in heaven. But when it comes to the end of his days, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, let me just read it for you again. Uh, <clears throat> when it comes to the end of his life and, and it's over, Paul has a testimony to give. And he says this. He's talking to Timothy. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. He was about to be beheaded and he knew it. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Listen, that's where you want to be on your deathbed. That's the place where you want to be. I fought a good fight. By the way, he wasn't fighting against people. You think he was fighting against people. He wasn't fighting against people. He was fighting the devil. Sometimes we're fighting people when it's not people that are the problem at all. It's the devil. He fought a good fight. <clears throat> he finished his course. You know, Paul's course is not my course, and Paul's course is not your course, and your course is not my course, and my course is not your course. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a work for you to do. God's got a ministry for you to do. And you know, when you come to the end of your days, you need to be able to say, I've finished my course. I found out what God wanted me to do, and I've done it. Oh, you're not perfect. You're not going to get it all right. You're not going to be, you're not going to be uh, amazing. We're not amazing. But you know what? Paul could say, I've finished my course. I've done what he told me to do. And you can say that too. Because remember, the power is not yours. The power is his power. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul said, you know what? I've kept the faith. I've kept the truth. I've kept the faith. I've stayed in the right place as far as my faith is concerned. But verse 8 is the one I want to, want to uh, give you. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Do you know that Paul understood? Very soon I'm going to step out of this world. And I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. In fact, <clears throat> if you read between the lines, Paul's kind of happy he's going. <clears throat> He didn't want to go a day before he was supposed to go, but he was kind of happy he was going because he was going to see his Lord Jesus. And in Philippians, he tells us that you know, he, he struggled with whether to go to heaven or whether to stay here. But henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It's over, folks. I'm on my way out. I'm going to heaven. They're going to take my head. Good riddance to it. I'm going to be with the Lord. And I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. What's Paul saying? It's been worth it all. It's been worth it all. I am so glad I gave my life in his service. I am so glad I gave myself to him. But see what else he says in this verse. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm so glad he included us in the verse. I'm so glad he put all them that love his appearing. You're looking forward to his return? Are you looking forward to him coming back? Are you living for him so that you're excited about him coming back? You're, you're looking forward. Are you serving him with an eye on heaven 
and an eye on glory and serving his power in his power. You know what? That's the best life. That's the life that counts. Oh, will you, will, will you have reversals? Will you have time when th- times when things go wrong? Yep. Will it be hard sometimes? Yep. Will it be difficult? But you know what? You can come back to him. See, the greatest promise of the Christian life is I have him now and forever. The, the, the power for ministry lies in my relationship with him. I can do it because I have him. Don't, don't, don't look for ministry that's going to satisfy you in some human temporal way. You, you, you're going to be sad and you're going to be sorry and you're going to wear out and stop. But you know what? Look for ministry and hook into him and you're going to find blessing upon blessing in the here and now. And when you leave this place, you're going to go to a crown. And you're going to look back on life and you're going to say, that was the life. I'm glad I lived that life, just like Paul. You're going to come to the place where it is worth it all. Do you have a ministry? Do you have an area where you're sacrificially giving and serving others? are Are you serving him? Listen, if you don't, you need to pray about it. Come to me if I can help you with it. I gladly will. But you need to pray. You need to get something you're doing and serving him. You know, there's a world to reach with the gospel. And God's giving you gifts that would help you. Nobody's going to lay it on for you and have it all worked out for you. You're going to have to come to the place where you find God's power and God's way. And you know what? You can see souls saved. You can see God do a work. You need to be in the ministry. You need to be in the ministry and you need to be in the ministry not expecting them but expecting from him. And when you come to that place you're going to be living the life you were made for. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this dear people, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for so many who have a heart and a desire to serve you. Now, Lord, would you bless? Would you bless each one, Lord? Would you give each one, Lord, uh, a ministry that they know is of you and from you and that you're working in their lives. And, oh, Lord, would you uh, give them ministry, Lord, that they can feel satisfied. They're doing exactly what you would have them to do. And, Lord, would you bless. Every head is bowed and every eye closed. Let me just ask you one question this morning. You would say, Lord, <clears throat> I don't have a ministry. I want one. Lord, would you show me what you want me to do? Because, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to have a ministry. Would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. Let me ask you one other question. Amen. See those hands. Let me ask you another question. You would say, I have a ministry. I praise the Lord for the ministry I'm involved in. Would you lift your hand? Okay, many of you are saying, yes, I do. You know, if you don't, God has a ministry for you. Cry out to him and ask him for it this week. I cry out to him and ask him to show you what it is that he would have you to do. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for those <clears throat> that have raised a hand. Thank you for those that are seeking you. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, we are, we are dull of hearing sometimes, and Lord, it's hard for us to hear. Would you bless your children that we might find a ministry that you have for us and that we might live and thrive in that ministry? Lord, we love you. And we know, Lord, that as you work in our lives, it's always good. 
Lord, would you bless? Would you be with us in Jesus' name?